This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, and today we're going to focus on The Road to War, which is a new film by David Bradbury. And... Uh, to be, before we have a chat with David, we're going to get a teaser. Kissinger said, to be an enemy of the United States is dangerous, to be a friend of the United States is fatal. only a fraction of the nuclear weapons that exist in the world today would be so great that there'd be blocking of sunlight, reduction of rainfall, agricultural impacts on the world's main food crops, rice, corn, soy, um, wheat, um, with with the result being global famine, affecting possibly up to 2 billion people. From the filmmaker who made Frontline about the legendary Vietnam War cameraman Neil Davis. And crashed through that gate. And brought us his second Academy Award-nominated film, Chile Astaquando, filmed clandestinely under the nose of dictator General Pinochet's brutal secret police. David Bradbury directed the multi-award-winning film Nicaragua No Passeran, about the Sandinista revolution in Central America, which the CIA and Ronald Reagan tried to stamp out. Now, Bradbury's latest film, The Road to War, narrated by Tony Barry, is a film you must see. Go tell those old men, safe in bed. We took their orders and are now dead. Alba, contemplating going to war. Why, Alba? Why? 
There we have it, David. Hello, David. Are you there? Hello. Yeah. G'day. G'day, Annie. Yeah, great. Thanks for taking some time to talk to us today about the road to war. You were saying to me the other day that uh, it couldn't have come soon enough with the announcement of the AUKUS deal. Can you talk to us about what motivated you to make the film? As you know, Annie, I've um, been covering wars and conflict in in overseas countries for about the last 45 years since um, I left the ABC as a journalist in um, in, uh, 1970 over to the United States and saw America with disbelief seeing that they were losing the Vietnam War. They were going to lose it, the first war of that century, after they'd been prided by the world for winning World War II not to mention the 20 million Russians that died in the, in World War II and, and, uh, and overthrowing Hitler as well. But um, it kind of bothered war zones and, and the cost of war very strongly for the last um, you know, four decades or more. And uh, I, I could see with um, the, uh, the way that Scott Morrison and Peter Dutton were taking Australia back before they got the boot by the Australian electorate. They were smart enough to see that the lying and, and, the, and the tricks that um, that government had perpetrated on the people of Australia. Uh, I had hoped that um, Albanese, because he came from the left uh, faction of the Labor Party, and I'd watched him in the last uh, 30 or more years since um, he rose slowly through the ranks and uh, was the, um, the political son of, of Tom Uren, who was a wonderful minister who provided a lot of housing for homeless people under Gough Whitman's government and seen World War II action in, in, in East Timor and, uh, and in the Pacific. And he abhorred war like any soldier that's um, seen war and any um, you know, filmmaker that's seen war, any politician. Most of the politicians don't get to see wars. They just um, make the orders which... Um, uh, send them off young men and now young women to be traumatised for the rest of their lives by going into frontline combat. And so having made these films about the Vietnam War, about I was in Iraq in, the, in 2013, I've been in, in other, other war zones in West Papua, in Indonesia, and controlled East Timor in the 90s, just after the Dili Massacre. And I could see the, the, what was happening with um, Albanese and Richard Miles, our defence minister. And I had hoped that Penny Wong, uh, being you know a sort of um, a really modern woman and uh, you know gay and and out of that box of the toxic uh, male environment that uh, is Canberra and, and Parliament House that saw the alleged rape of Brittany Higgins and so on. I had hoped that the Labor Party would bring a fresh air to our relationship with the United States, the Senate's involved in Vietnam, Senate's involved in two disastrous wars in Iraq that sadly left that country crippled and still reading from it, saw us involved in the longest war of Australia's history in Afghanistan, and uh, and to no avail. Wouldn't we cut and run as America did in Vietnam, as they did in, in, in Afghanistan, and leaving the situation worse off than it was when they got involved. So I thought, I have to make a film about this. Um, although I couldn't get any funding for it because I'm, I'm the bad boy uh, turned, turned even more bad in, in my later years, 
uh, I just felt when I was in Melbourne and killing time while my 20-year-old daughter was um, uh, studying at the acting studio down there, I rang up Richard Tanter, who is a, someone that I've known, wasn't close at the time, but um, I said, Richard, can I come over and interview you about the folly of, of uh, putting, making nuclear submarines, propelled submarines, uh, and putting them in? And Richard said, sure. Richard, for your listeners who may or may not know the name Richard Tanter, he's a retired senior academic from... Um, from Northern University, who with Des Ball for the last 40 years has watched quite close and has been a whistleblower in what Pine Gap does in the centre of Australia, 27 kilometres from Alice Springs. After I interviewed Richard, I was very troubled by that interview because he's not an alarmist person. He takes um, a very precautionary role based upon what is on the table, what we know from documents and freedom of information access and his own own sort of meticulous research. And I left that very sombered up because Richard uh, led me to believe that if um, Russia, who have got many more uh, nuclear war tips than than China, they've got about the same amount as what America's got, 1,800, that they're officially allowed to have under the, um, the assault talks that... Uh, Gorbachev and Ronald Reagan, of all people, um, negotiated back in the 80s. Uh, if Russia was wanting to send a signal to America, look, you know, we don't, we, we, you know, we mean business. Don't take it any further. And we saw, as we've seen with the year passing now of Ukraine, Russia could quite easily send a signal to uh, America without having immediate retaliation, i.e., you know, all, all, all bits are off, all uh, um, control is over and nuclear missiles heading to Moscow and to Leningrad and... and, and well, well, that's one of the things that you talk about in this film. Uh, I'll just remind listeners that they're on Showreel with Annie and we're talking to filmmaker David Bradbury. In this film, you actually... Um, Oh, it's it's just the whole concept. It's sort of boys for to- toys for boys, uh, which is you know a bit flippant to be talking about such things. But one of the things you do in this is uh, 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 compare the re- you know the um, incredible uh, level of uh, uh, attraction to certain people to uh, uh, complex um, uh, weaponry, which costs huge amounts of money which then they have to inveigle countries to buy. Um, talking about things like um, being able to shoot uh, missiles, they're 7,000 miles. Who in their right mind thinks about things like that? Well, I mean, the latest, um, well, the, the, the Ohio submarines that you just referred to, of which the United States got 14, and... Each of those um, submarines is allowed under the SALT talks that I referred to about with Gorbachev and, and Reagan. They're allowed 20, 20 um, Tomahawk or uh, Trident um, nuclear missiles, which then when they re-enter the atmosphere after they've been fired out from underwater in these submarines, they then split into up to eight, uh, eight um, missiles each. So you've got um, 20 by by eight, um, which is able to basically destroy every major city 
within China and Russia. Uh, that, that, and they're programmed, and part of the programming comes from Pine Gap, which is why Pine Gap is likely to be the first target to be taken out, because it's so crucial in the United States um, uh, military in, in, in surveillance of the nuclear bunkers deep within silos within China, deep within silos within Siberia, within Russia. And uh, just to make the point that... Um, Russia could send a signal to America uh, quite clearly to back off. We mean business here on whatever conflict is happening, as could China. If um, China was um, deciding to um, uh, call America's bluff or invade Taiwan and so on, which it hasn't said it will do, but it, it, it's gone on quite well for the last um, 30 or 40 years. And the two-China policy, which China has... Um, and America's and Australia's agreed to acknowledge. But with Biden's administration and with America determined to remain the super dog on the block, um, it, it's quite possible that you know, they can get into, into a situation because we've entered in a, in a new arms race now, which is nuclear. Uh, and um, Australia, under, under, sorry, under Richard Miles and, and Albanese say, oh, look, they're only nuclear-propelled submarine, but they've got nuclear-enriched fuel on board, Annie, which can in turn be turned into nuclear bombs quite quickly. We're sharing all the technology now from the United States that are in being you know, a sort of subservient uh, client state to the United States in buying these $368 billion worth of nuclear-propelled subs and so on. And... Uh, it's just really upping the ante, and uh, it means that Indonesia, our nearest neighbour, who I don't particularly uh, have a, 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 a hold a, a card for, because I've seen what their TNI, their murderous military, uh, do in West Papua, which I've reported on. I've seen what they've done in Indonesia when they arrested me and kicked me out with my then four-year-old son at the time. Mm. And so we're just embarking upon... An incredibly expensive and incredibly dangerous arms race, like that led up to the First World War, where nations didn't trust each other, and and it was all about upmanship with with military hardware, and we tipped over in, into the brink with a, a spark with the assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand in 1913, and really sparked the war to which Australia sent troops, you know, twelve thousand miles away. It wasn't our war at all, like. What is America? Well, well, you, well I mean, you, you point out in this. Faithfully then, and we'll do it faithfully now because we're into the, new, the embrace with the United States in order to get these uh, cutting edge nuclear submarines that won't be delivered until 2040. And if you believe the Fairfax, if you believe the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald with these highly irresponsible articles that Peter Harcher wrote with, with Matthew Knox uh, two Mondays ago three-part series, four pages each, with a red alert. China's going to uh, launch a war within three years. And Australia's grossly unprepared. And that is the most irresponsible journalism, but it just ups the ante. Yeah, yeah, but, it's all, but, it's, but the thing is, it's, you, and you point this out in this film, uh, they, they're creating this um, false narrative, well, obviously, a false narrative that uh, ties into sort of supposed heroic uh, stance from the First and Second World Wars, if you want to look at it that way, you know, that uh, um, 
they, they're talking about China, you know, being an aggressor. But in actual fact, it's the Western powers. The Western powers. The uh, pickup trucks that they commandeered from the Americans, or the uh, the Vietnamese, who were an amazing nation, that nation, that little nation that defeated America's incredible IT power and so on during the Vietnam War, and to think that we're housing now B-52 bombers, which Penny Wong and Richard Miles Albanese won't tell us whether they've got nuclear weapons on board or not, but we're housing them now at Tyndale Air Base just south of Darwin. And those bombers with conventional bombs did such horrific damage to the poor Vietnamese in the, in the Vietnam War. And we have just crossed the line where we're just throwing over any moral, ethical values that we once had as a nation to, to fight China, who's got a population of only 3 billion people. It's certainly not sort of slow in coming forward with IT. They may not be in the ballpark of the Japanese and the Americans and the Russians, but they're certainly, you know, they're quite capable of blocking all our, our telecommunication systems, our, our water systems, our, our traffic lights in our major cities, our, our electrification plants and so on. It's absolutely crazy, insane. I don't use that word lightly, and it is an insane notion to think that we can go to war with China and somehow win. Because it's not it's not that sort of war, is it? Yeah. It's not it's not a war you can win. But it also leads one to to think that um, really the big boys, uh, US and the British really just want to use um, Australia to uh, hand over a considerable part of our GDP to them to shore up their big business. Is that what's exactly. going on? Imagine what, if you think that one children's hospital, state-of-the-art children's hospital, like Royal Melbourne Children's Hospital, that had 18 hours waiting times for mums and dads just um, two months ago, um, could build a, a, child, a, a children's hospital, $1 billion. We're giving $389 billion over the next two generations of Australians into the arms pockets of the United States and the United Kingdom to build what? Eight nuclear-powered submarines that will be eventually delivered in 2040. And if you believe Peter Hart's article, we're going to have a war with China within the next three years. Forget 2040 or whatever. Other people I've spoken to in my film, like Hugh White, who advised Malcolm Fraser, Paul Keating, John Howard, and Bob Hawke as the personal advisor on military strategy... He says it's a crazy notion. Those subs will not be delivered until 2050 at the earliest, 2060, and the price tag will continue to grow and grow as it did with the current generation of, of, um, of um, subs that we've got that we're now uh, basically replacing. Oh, it's just too awful. Well, um well, I'm glad you made the film, and I know that uh, you're going to be uh, taking it around uh, the country, and on um, it's going to be at the Nova on the 22nd, right? Yeah, it's at the Nova, and um, they've given us a 200-seater, but they're saying that if we don't get the bums on seats on the night, they'll pull it back to a 70-seater or something. So it's only going to be one screening of this film in Melbourne, one screening in Hobart and one screening in Adelaide for starters. And I really want all your eager listeners that have supported my films 
over the years from frontline and public enemy in Nicaragua, No Pass Around and Chile. Because this is going to affect us all. Please go online, book a ticket at um, at the Nova. Richard Tanner is going to be there, and John Lander, who's in the film as well. John was uh, Gough Whitlam's um, former ambassador, ambassador to to China, and was in Iran as well as ambassador. They all make good logical sense from a, a non-impatient plea as opposed to this filmmaker that's making this plea to your listeners to come and see the film at the Nova on Wednesday night and to get your friends to come and see it because we have to rebuild the anti-war movement all over again if we're going to stop this madness and having a nuclear missile land in Pine Gap, Alice Springs or on a major city if all hell breaks loose because the big powers just want it to happen and they're using us as a proxy uh, for to, to say that we, we've got to take the hit, as poor old Ukraine is taking the hit in, um, in, in Europe at the moment between the United States and NATO in their war against Russia to cripple Russia. Yes, exactly. And oh, actually, one of the other major points that you make is that uh, even though the Americans have been uh, going around the place in the Pacific to try and raise support uh, and, and fear against China, the Pacific nations have made it quite clear that actually the biggest threat for them is climate change. Climate change, yeah. I know, isn't it quite ironic, Annie, that um, a major senior official, senior diplomat, has not been seen in China for 37 years, as the Chinese foreign minister said 12 months ago. And yet suddenly, when China starts to poke its nose down there and offering to build a port, offering to sort of um, help, you know, with train their police force with the rights in the Solomon Islands, and Australia's been totally asleep at the helm, both the Labor previous government and the, um, you know, ScoMo and Abbott and, and, and Turnbull's governments have been asleep at the wheel because we've just taken South Pacific, our neighbours, for granted. Same way as we screwed over East Timor with bugging the officers of their of their oil delegation so we could screw them over, like Gareth Evans did in getting 50% of the oil, a Labor minister, for Indonesia and Australia. See, our neighbours don't forget this sort of stuff. As you say, they want action on climate change. They don't want a Chinese bloody military base there, but they do want help and support. So we're finally, America's finally pulling its finger out after 37 years after using the Marshall Islands and the back blocks of the South Pacific to test their nuclear bombs and walking away from all the maimed and deformed babies and people that came as a result of that were the tests that Dennis O'Rourke's film Half-Life gave... Um, uh, gave view to and um and 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 now we suddenly wake up oh we've got some neighbors in south pacific albo get on your on your plane come back from signing the arms deal as he has squash the deal with 389 dollars saying sorry we've not signed anything yet hopefully like the French deal, would cost us $4 billion to get out of that. We're going to put all our efforts into climate change and we're going to really blow everyone out of the water by 2030 by what we do on a national and a state-by-state level. And we're not going to have sort of, you know, tinkering at the edges and allowing the big polluters to get away with doing what they do by carbon credits and, and cheating the protocols that were worked out at Kyoto and Paris and Copenhagen and, and Glasgow last year, 
we're actually going to mean it because we believe our future is for our children's children and for First People to be genuine custodians of the land and not to sort of allow our country to be bombed and, and strafed as we do with our military exercises the last uh, 20 odd years when America comes here. They're doing on an Aboriginal soil. Aboriginal people have never given permission for either Australian government, Labor or Liberal, to be able to sort of strafe and bomb you know, the, the deserts of the Northern Territory or Shoalwater Bay, a pristine area that uh, Pete Garrett and I fought to get sort of um, it, it turned into a national World Heritage National Park. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just, it's just um, grim. Thanks very much for talking to me today, David. And uh, I'll be there to, uh, you know, talk to people and uh, and really get the. Uh, I've chosen Melbourne because you're much more radical. You've got a much more stronger tradition of activism than my hometown of Sydney. And uh, I really know that Melbourne people will embrace what the message of this film is, and they will get out and they'll kick ass in terms of sending the warmongers packing. Thanks, mate. The US and the UK under AUKUS are pushing Australia into another imperialist war. At the same time, whistleblowers who expose war crimes are jailed. Come to the rally and march for peace, truth, not war. 18th of March, beginning at 1pm State Library, marching to Treasury Gardens. Help build a people's movement for peace. No AUKUS Roundtable is a 3CR supporter. And that's it for Showreel today. Uh, Don't forget uh, The Road to War at Nova, March 22nd, 6.30. Go to the Nova website to get tickets. Coming up next is Published or Not. Pretty lights and shiny things you think you're depressed But it's probably just too much coffee in your tea Too much caffeine in your dreams Cars will drive too mad and fast up and down King Street They don't understand where I'm coming from It's a 50k zone but they're taking over me Flash my lights but they got no control no control No control Pretty lights and shiny things And Sydney's such a pretty thing I'm waiting for the lights to change I'm thinking I should move away the cars will drive too mad and fast Up and down King Street Better understand where I'm coming from they all got their dates and petrol station meetings Plan to start naked under fluoros And who knows Who knows The weather balloon said so It said so
shiny things and see me such a pretty thing. Waiting for the lights to change us. 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 Waiting. Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.